Hello, everybody. Jason Sarney here with FinManiacs.com. And, uh, you know, a wrap-up podcast of a tough loss, 20-13. to 13. The Denver Broncos got the better of the Miami Dolphins. And I want to bring in one of our FinManiac writers, Tanner Elliott, who's making his podcast debut. How you doing, Tanner? Hey, Jason, I'm good. Well, you know, as good as, as, good as, as I'm going to get <laughs> after that game. How, how, how are you? Yeah, same here. You know, it was a tough game, and uh, I do want to welcome in Jorge Hinojosa, who uh, I'm sure has a lot to say about that loss. How you doing, Jorge? I'm good. I'm good, Jason. I mean, it's uh, it's never good to to talk after a loss, but you know, it it happens. Not every team is a 72 Dolphins that can just win every game. So, you know, I think it's it's a learning experience for for the team and for the fans as well. It really is. And, you know, this game was a little bit of a roller coaster. It started off okay, and then it went bad, and then it got worse, and then it got hopeful. And then, of course, with Tua Tangavaloa going out, which, which seemed like it was an injury, now on a presser you're hearing that Coach Flores said that this was a situation where they took him out of the game because it was the time of the game where they didn't think that he was going to be doing well. They thought just Fitzpatrick would be a better fit at that point or – kind of that paraphrase of the quote, it seemed like he was saying that it wasn't necessarily an injury-induced benching. So, Tanner, what were your thoughts overall before we break down the actual game of the Tua situation and seeing Fitzpatrick come on back in? Well, um, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I definitely think it was the right decision. And it's not about, you know, oh, Tua got hit, Tua's getting sacked. It's – um. The way Fitzpatrick let the let let the team down the field, Tua couldn't do that all game. And then you know Fitzpatrick gets in there, and you know they go kick a field goal. I mean a field goal is a field goal, but you know some points. And then you saw it. Van Ginkle forced that fumble at the one yard line. We recovered, and then you know with the help of some penalties and everything, Fitzpatrick let us down the field into a situation where we almost tied the game. You know, unfortunately through the interception, of course, but Tua couldn't couldn't have done that in that game. So I think definitely, you know, hindsight 2020, of course, but definitely, I definitely think it was the right decision. I do think it was the right decision. Of course, initially I thought that there was a tweak of a foot, a knee, a leg, a hip. Something looked awkward on that sack. Any quarterback, anyone would have bought the fact that, all right, he got a little nicked up. Maybe, you know, they got to evaluate him. But Jorge, what were your thoughts? Are you in agreement with Tanner that this was a good coaching move? I, I agree with Tanner. It was a good move. And something that Coach Flores has preached from the start is that he's always going to do what is going to put Dolphins in the best position to win that game. And he preaches it week in, week out. I'm just focused on this game. I'm not, I'm not focused on the end of the season or in the next year draft or whatever. He's focused on the next game. Uh, we talked. I talked about it with Carter on, on our preview podcast. And, I mean, Vic Fangio called up a hell of a game and took away Tua's strengths. Tua relies on quick reads and short passes. From what I saw, and I haven't gone to the old 22, but I saw a lot of press coverage. They were bumping Malcolm Perry at the line. They weren't letting him release easy and taking away the first couple of Tua's reads. And that forced him to hold on to the ball. He didn't want to throw it up there. He's not like Fitz that just throws it up there, uh, 50-50 balls for Devante Parker. And he took six sacks. Uh, Let's also remember that there's an injury protocol and – if the Dolphins hadn't reported the injury for Tua during the game and then out, came after the game to say he was injured, then the NFL comes in and it's a huge investigation and so on. I agree. I don't think it was an injury call. I do think that after seeing that sack, seeing six sacks throughout the game, 
seeing him limp a little bit. The Dolphins just took him out. There's no reason to risk the future of your franchise in year two of the rebuild. We saw what happened to Joe Burrow earlier in the earlier games. Uh, so I, I think that went into it. I think Fitz came in and, and put a, a spark to that team. And I agree with Tanner. Tua wasn't moving the ball. Fitz did. He, he's much better at throwing those 50-50 those balls. I mean, that first pass to Gesicki was the example of that. Um, so it, it was a good decision. And then we saw the bad Fitz. I mean, Tua's been very good taking care of the ball in the, end zone, in the, in the red zone. And then Fitz throws that, that pick that would have, uh, you know, it, it would have turned the game around. Uh, that being said, I mean, Fitz said it, and I, I, I just want to make sure everyone's clear on this. This is Tua's team for the, you know, next 10 years. So unless something tragic happens and all of a sudden he looks like John Beck next year, this is Tua's team for the next decade. So, I mean, it was a bad loss. Let's also remember this is the second youngest roster in the league, and they were going to lay a neck sometime. And they were without some coaches the last couple of weeks. Everyone was back this week. And it just seemed natural, I think. And, and as Tanner said, hindsight's twenty twenty. But when you look at all those factors and seeing all the coaches back this week and then everyone talking them up, it seemed like the perfect sum for them to lay a neck this game. And, and that's what happened. It was an unfortunate step back. I mean, it happened. And a team lost. A team was not supposed to necessarily be in this good of a position as the Dolphins have been the last, you know, 10 weeks. And they're... They're six and four, Tanner, and I think that if you look at the two quarterbacks' numbers, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick went 12 of 18 for 117 yards. He threw that interception. Tua, the entire first three quarters and change, was 11 of 20 for 83 yards, got sacked, as Jorge mentioned six times, had the, the touchdown to, uh, to Parker, but it just didn't seem like he had the offense clicking. Do you think that this was – Tua, the offensive line, the skill position players, or was it just that Vic Mangio defense that just happened to have just gotten the better scheme of the day, perhaps? Well, uh, personally, after this game, and not even just this game, it's been, you know, every game to me, the offense has uh, been not exciting. And I even wrote an article saying the momentum played a huge factor. And you saw today, there was no big plays. The big play happened, you know fourth quarter late in the fourth quarter but we need it most of course but it just it, it was too late and the offense has been not exciting how many big plays have we had on offense recently everyone said oh to uh throwing in you know Alabama he was a star people said oh now he has Jakeem Grant one of the fastest players in the league Devontae Parker 50-50 balls but to me it seems like it's not a player issue it's not a personnel issue everyone's saying we need receivers we need running backs I mean that is true but to me, it's more of a, is Chan Gailey your offensive coordinator for Tua's future, or is he the one that's making the Dolphins' offense not as exciting as it is with Fitzpatrick? Because you even saw, you know, Fitzpatrick got in, and you know, all of a sudden, bam, two, you had two long passes in just that one drive, and, Fitz, and um, Tua had none. So it just comes down to, I think, the playing calling, to me at least, and, you know, just seeing if Chan Gailey is really a fit for Tua and the offense that he wants to play Tua as a player. Coaching-wise, I agree with the fact that Coach Flores is going to do what he needs to do to win the game that week. So this isn't like, oh, oh my God, is this a quarterback controversy? Is, oh, are they going to look at a quarterback the next week? No, this is Tua's team. But with all intangibles, with all things, look, the, the offense wasn't doing anything since that touchdown drive. And, you know, Tanner, you know, you're really alluding to it. You know, is Chan Gailey the next, 
you know, five, six, seven-year offensive coordinator? Obviously not because he's such, you know, you know, he's obviously the veteran that he is in the league and he hasn't <laughs> been a Dolphin coordinator in 20 years since his last job with the team. So, yeah, we, we get that. But the fact is they have to unleash him. They, if two is going to be on the field, the kid gloves have to come off and they're going to have to, you know, make some big shot plays. And, of course, we have to admit that Preston Williams had around four of the big plays that this team has had over 25 yards, you know, in the air. He's out. So that component's gone. And you need to have that with Gusecki more. And Tua needs to roll out to the other part of the field because I think that they're taking away an entire part of the field if they take that kind of play action or run pass action. You know, he's, he's not all the way there developed yet, I think where he creates a fear in the entire aspect of the field. And, Jorge, do you think that there is a quarterback controversy going into a road game against the Jets? Or do you think that, that this is a perfect game for Tua to maybe get back right? I mean, I think, I think the Jets have been playing better. I mean, I don't, want, I don't want us or the team or anyone to overlook the Jets. They've played better. They've improved. And I think they are playing too good to go win this the rest of the season. That being said, I don't think there's going to be a quarterback controversy next week. I think this is Tua's team. Uh, and I mean, guys, let's also remember, this was Tua's, you know, fourth start um, after being injured for a year, not having any action in a year, and now playing in the, be in the best football league in the world. So some rust, some down games are, are to be expected. I mean, he couldn't really do anything in the offseason, even with COVID and everything. The hip was still in rehab. Training camp went in with Fitz being the starter. Um, and honestly, I, on, on Tanner's point, I think the Dolphins' skill players are better suited for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's style. And what do I mean by that? The Dolphins' receivers don't get separation. They are both uh, Gasecki, Devante, and Preston Williams were in the bottom tier in yards of, in yard separation per play. And Tua's not the kind of guy, and going back to Alabama, it's going to throw up a 50-50 ball and put it at jeopardy of being a turnover. He's going to hold the ball. He's going to try to move around. And he's going to try to make something of a broken play. And the Dolphins receivers are better suited for a 50-50 style of quarterback, a gunslinger like Ram Fitzpatrick. We've talked about it before. Uh, the Dolphins are definitely going to address both the receivers coming out of the backfield, so running backs, and the receivers on the outside that can make someone miss and just take it down to the, to, you know, take it 20 yards, 30 yards down the field. Um, I think Tua is going to get better at realizing that sometimes he's just going to have to trust his receivers and just put it up there. Uh, Jason, you mentioned it with Preston Williams. He was Tua's number one target coming in, and then he got injured. Uh, Lynn Bowden, I think we all had high expectations for him. And for one reason or another, he's been inactive a couple of weeks after that COVID incident. So, I mean, I, I think Chan Gailey has been an up and down for me. I mean, I, I apologized to him on air with, with Carter this week. And last week, we said he was great. And, and this week, he, he called it a bad, a bad game. I think it's still trying to get comfortable with Tua, and not only with Tua's skill set, but being comfortable of letting Tua go, knowing that he's not going to get hurt or where his confidence is going to get shaken. And I think that's a process. I don't, I don't think Changeli is going to be the offensive coordinator for the next five years. I do think he's a great teacher to teach Tua the fundamentals of playing quarterback in the NFL. I agree with you there. He's not going to be in four or five years the offense coordinator. You can guarantee that. And to, to pivot to the defensive side of the ball, we've been saying this defense has been terrific all year, but the run defense today was, 
I'm going to use a word that I haven't used all, word, all year. It was abysmal. I mean, when you have two runners hitting 80 yards, you know, we got Melvin Gordon, who scored twice at 84 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Philip Lindsay did not have a bad carry. I, I mean, even when he was going to be wrapped up, he turned a minus one into one yard. He, he turned a line of scrimmage play into two yards. He just did not seem to have any negative play. And he averaged 5.1 yards per carry, and they were big plays. Drew Locke was not fantastic, but he was efficient after, you know, one interception to Xavier Howard. And, you know, frankly, the Dolphins' defense, minus the Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, unbelievable play that easily could have been 27 points for the Broncos, and minus a good fourth down stand that was inches away from being, you know, another play. The Broncos could have put 30-plus points on the board. You know, the defense did not play well. The offensive line did not play well. The quarterback was a replacement situation. There was a lot of negatives. And once again, we're looking at a one-point loss for this team. So, Jorge, I know you mentioned that you have an article coming that you kind of have like a little bit of a – you want to kind of say something almost, and, and there's something that you might want to get off your chest here. Because, you know, is it something to that vein that there's, you know, four losses? One of them really could be construed as, you know, really bad – but other than that, this team is miles ahead of where they should be. Absolutely. And, and I'm glad you brought it up, Jason. And I just want to really go back to what you mentioned about the defense. This was the perfect storm for the defense to play badly. The, this defense is built to be aggressive and play with a lead. And unfortunately, today, Dolphins couldn't sustain that lead. I mean, giving up that score after, after that touchdown drive, um, that was bad on the defense. Then had to deal with Lindsey and Gordon just running the ball. That being said, the amount of negativity and doom and gloom in Dolphins Twitter is, I don't want to say unacceptable because everyone's free to tweet whatever they want, but it's just not healthy. And you cannot go out in this game and just start questioning players' efforts and saying, oh, they don't care about this game. Uh, they're just laying a neck because they don't care, blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm all for questioning execution. We do it here. We do it here after a win and after a loss. I'm over questioning play calling. We do it here after a win, after a loss. I just, I disagree strongly with the idea that you are going to question a professional athlete's effort after everything they do week in and week out to prepare that life they have, the lifestyle they have to be able to compete at that high level. So just going out on Twitter and saying, oh, the offensive line doesn't care. Where's the, the pride? They're not, they're not, you know, making an effort. It's just, you know, it really pisses me off to be honest with you. And the amount of Dolphins fans going out there and say, see, now towards the bust, we told you we should have picked Herbert. Hey, guys, look what this defense did to Herbert last week. You really want that guy to be your quarterback? Things are going well. It's the year two of the rebuild. We, you talked about it, Jason. No one predicted a 6-4 and four at this stage. Anyone who says they predicted a 6-4, and four, please tell me the lo lo lotto numbers or you're lying. So, I mean, sure, it's a loss. We hate losing. Guys, it's year two of the rebuild. We're missing a bunch of parts that are going to play a big deal. And for the next 10 years, this team is going to be okay. We're going to be okay, and they're going to compete. So everyone just take a deep breath. We hate losing, sure, but it's just one game. I loved hearing that. And, Tanner, before I bring you back in, you know, listen, a five-game win streak was great. For a fan base like us, though, it's like – here's my, my metaphor, my kind of analogy, however you want to put it. We're a fan base that grew up in the penthouse right? And then we got kicked out of the penthouse for like 20 years. And then it's been a really rough go. And then for about a month, 
they got moved back into the penthouse. And we're like, all right, this is more like it. And today we got kicked out to the street again. And that's what it feels like. But you know what? We got to stop thinking about the penthouse right now because we're not there yet. You know, we're still building. We're still using the, the process of building more talent around this young team. I mean, if Ryan Fitzpatrick never played another down, if you take him out of the equation, they are the youngest team in the league with him messing up the average. They're the second youngest team in the league. So, Tanner, what's your level of panic? Is there a panic button or is the glass not even taken off your panic button yet? How you doing? Um, I wouldn't say I'm panicking. I mean, I don't know why anyone would say they're panicking, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I mean, it's just I knew I knew Denver had a good run game, and our run defense has been, you know, shaky all year. Even in the games we won, you look at the Rams game, but like Jorge said, they're playing against, you know, they're, they're a team made for a lead. Teams are supposed to be passing on us. That's why we got Byron Jones across from Xavier and Howard. So when teams are forced to run against us, you saw it. Kyle Van Noy got bullied all game, all, all game in the run. So I think when teams, you know, notice that, they know that if they start hot against us, you know, and they start running it against us, they're going to win. But I think as long as, you know, Flores can fix our run defense, which, I, you know, I have faith that he can, not completely fix it, just, you know, just, you know have like half a season left but at least fix it to the point where we're not letting two people run for 80 yards a game and having like, oh, it's third and 10, they run a draw up the middle and they get it. <laughs> uh, I think if he can just fix the, the easy stuff, I think it's, there's no panic and we're still in, we're still fighting for the, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh seed, maybe even the division still, who knows, because we still have a, a pretty light schedule other than, you know, the Chiefs, Raiders, and Bills, their last, I think, three games in a row. But I think outside of that, it's a pretty winnable schedule. And, you know, the Ravens lost today. Good for us. And I think the Colts just lost as well. So, I mean, good for us again. So, I mean, it, it would have been great to win today, you know, playoff seating wise and, you know, upping our probability, of course. But I think I'd rather lose this week when two other teams have lost and rather than lose, you know, next week against the Jets and you have the Colts and Titans both winning and, you know, we're just pushed down that seating and maybe even out of the playoff spot to begin with. This is the time to have the hiccup. If you're going to have the hiccup, have it right before Thanksgiving. You know, you regroup, you're six and four, you can get yourself right, and then you can go into a very winnable road game against a division rival, against the Jets, to get to seven and four. I, mean, I really don't think there's a lot of problem there. The big problem that I think can be rectified were the two strengths of the team, really, so far. The defensive line tied for 10th with sacks going into this game. Tied with the Denver Broncos, ironically, did not get a single sack. Major problem. Major, major mm -hmm. problem in any game. You got to pressure the quarterback. And in the, you know, times that Drew Locke needed to make a play, he did. Um, and, and the offensive line was not good. They've been terrific all year. Not terrific. They've been very good and good enough with the fact that they've been compiled from free agents and rookies. But, you know you're in the, the professional football league that Jorge alluded to, the best football league in the world. You're there for a reason, and you need to play to the, you know, to what your coaches are giving you that job to do. So the offensive line needs to look at the tape and improve. They really need to have a gut check. The defense, uh, I think, needs to just, you know, they were without Christian Wilkins. So it's kind of an incomplete. It was not a good overall well-graded 
game by the entire team, but it's defensive line-wise, you missed their anchor in Christian Wilkins. So, yes, you got to go back to the drawing board. This was not a fun game. There were components that you like to have, like the Van Ginkle strip sack. I'm sorry, like the Van Ginkle strip right at the goal line. Like, you know, hey, Nick Needham got beat by Jerry Judy on a bad play. But other than that, he had two pass defendants. Great, great highlight type real plays. He is playing well. Xavier Howard gets another pick. So, you know what? They're going to be okay, I think. And even if they do fall short of the playoffs, God forbid, we're playing with house money, Dolphin fans. You know, who would have <laughs> thought a week before Thanksgiving we're talking about, oh, my God, the playoff seating is going to be all messed up right now. Are you kidding me? You know, they already have a game above last year's total. Got all the draft picks in the world. And someone even tweeted today that if they did win this game, there could have been a situation where they had seven wins in the fourth overall draft. So, come on. Things could be worse. Things will be okay. And if you have anything to say to get us out of here, Tanner, you know, now would be a fun time to create a little bit more positivity. Um, well, our next two games are against the, the Jets, who are now eliminated from playoff contention, the first team. The first team to be eliminated. <laughs> and our next week is against the Bengals. I know Joe Burrow's out for the season. You know, you hate to see that to anyone, but, I mean, it worked in our favor. As you know, we, it would have been nice to see Burrow versus Tua, but, you know, it worked out in our favor as we're facing the back with quarter, quarterback now and probably one of the worst offensive lines in the, in the NFL. So I think these next two games is a, is a really, really nice thing to get our confidence up, maybe even some motivation, even some momentum heading into the Chiefs after these two, you know, I wouldn't say easy games, but easier games. I think it's an absolute huge opportunity for them to not just get right, but to get right in, in, you know, huge fashion with a Jet game and a Bengals game. As you mentioned, they really need to hold their home court against the Joe Burrow-less Bengals, and they need to go on the road and take care of business against the Jets. Jorge, what are your last thoughts going on out of here? Honestly, I'm excited about next week, and I'm, I'm excited to see how, you know, they, they're going to pay the bill for this week. And, you know, Florida's not going to give them a victory Monday this week. It's going to be hard work. So I'm just excited to see the team coming out and, and making sure they make a statement next game. And I'm excited to see it. You know what? It, it's an exciting thing to see what a young team is made of and what a coaching staff is basically preaching on how they're going to, you know, respond. I don't care about how you respond to a win. It's really how you respond to a loss. That's how you really could see the mental toughness and the fortitude of an individual and a team. So I appreciate Tanner and Jorge. Thank you for everyone for listening. We will be okay, Finn Nation. The six and four Miami Dolphins will live to fight another day. Have a good rest of your Sunday. Enjoy your week. Fins up, everybody. And see us all on finmaniacs.com throughout the week. Take care, everyone.